We're looking for two oil boys who can grease us up before each competition. You do the thing you're scared shitless of, and you get the courage after you do it. That's the way it works. That's the dumbass way to work. It should be the other way around. You'll have to excuse my friend. The town is back that way. You should make a radical change in your lifestyle. I mean, the core of man's spirit comes from new experiences. That's the way it works. Don't worry, we'll catch our break too. Just gotta keep our eyes open. Hello and welcome to a nice big round episode number 30 of the Looks Like We're Lost podcast. I am one half of the Lost Boys, Dustin Redazel. And joining me is the other half, a man who has gotten a 100% sleep score. It's Tommy Cooksey. There we go. There is something that is so... That's my second time scoring 100 on my sleep. What does that even mean? Like, you couldn't have possibly slept better? I don't actually know what it means because I definitely still wake up. Like, I'm waking up to go pee. Um, probably tossing and turning a little bit. But I'll tell you what it does do. When you get 100, you don't even think about napping the next day. Mm. You're like, we, we did it. Body... We did it, and you're not getting any extra rest today because we want to do it again. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Two I'm, timer here. I'm hearing, I'm hearing a confidence bordering on arrogance about your sleep. I mean, look, it's it's not too, it's not dissimilar from um, the confidence I have about my blood pressure when they give me my whatever it is, one ten over sixty eight, and I look at the nurse unassuming and say, I don't know, is that good? Oh, I know it's good. I know it's good. Gosh, health metrics off the <laughs> charts. Hey, man, what's your what's your bench? What's your sleep score? Yeah, I mean, come on. The, the college version of me would have had no understanding of how I was evaluating my life. No. <laughs> no. Sleep? What is sleep? Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the days of telling people how many beers I drank in a single <laughs> serving have, have given away to consecutive hours of sleep. Yeah, you know, it was on the back of, we, we, we traveled a little bit this past weekend, so we were in a different location. I'd had a few drinks one of those nights, and so I didn't get great sleep that night. I, you know, alcohol really affects your sleep. Next night I had... Milo, our youngest, next to me, and he's not used to sleeping in a bed, and so he's sideways. You guys normally keep him in a cage. That's where you're supposed to, right? So when you, when you go yeah, out, baby cage, yeah, the, the the baby cage. But he's like sideways. He's down at the bottom of the bed. But no matter where he's sleeping, there's always some one of his hands or feet shoved into my rib cage. So. uh it's amazing how a little not ideal. Not ideal. It's amazing how a little twenty-eight pound nugget can consume most of a queen size bed. Well, they never. They just don't know how to like sleep at proper angles. And I don't know when you pick that up, but like we'll we'll check on Walter. It's been like every night since he's been alive. Yeah. And he's never just laying in the middle of his crib. Right. He's always like jammed up against the rails in a corner. Yep. 
Like he's got all the blankets wedged under one weird part of his body. Yep. I don't know what all that is. Like he just wants to feel some pressure or something. Yeah. I, but uh and then when we yeah. when we got home, we had one sick kid, so I slept with uh with Everett and it was like I don't know, every 30 minutes to 90 minutes, he would just roll over and slap me to make sure I was there. <laughs> it's like, dude, <laughs> at one point at like 3 a.m., I sit up and I look at him and I say, dude, daddy is not going anywhere. This is where I'm sleeping tonight. You do not have to reach for me every every time you wake up. I'm here. Trust me. I like it. Whether I like it. Probably it. Wasn't well, you know, there. daddy was a rolling stone. He, uh, I guess he just senses it. A rambling man. It's the rambling man. So, dude, what are we talking about tonight? Talking about wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm glad you're a game for this topic. I, I don't know why. It just seems that it has been coming up a lot in all of my... Uh, just kind of my, my life streams, for lack of a better term. Like I'm hearing people talk about it on podcasts, yeah. the uh, the Crystal and Sager on Joe Rogan, just talking about how like, hey, everything's about follow the money. It tells you how this country works. You forwarded me a an awesome podcast from NPR Throughline uh, about what is capitalism that uh, I believe came via friend of the pod, Jeremy Muller. Yep. Um, guest of the pod one of the early guests guest of the pod dude it's about time to have him back yeah it is I need to hearing all that capitalism stuff really made me wanted to like chop it up with him because i know he's been thinking about it yeah longer and harder than i have um but the the other thing that i have been reading is a book called enlightenment now by steven pinker and We've mentioned Pinker a couple times because he had a book called uh, Our Better Angels or something uh, something about better angels. But it's basically just about how uh, society's uh, quality of life has gotten better and better with every passing decade um, in modern times. Mm-hmm. And so he, he had another book that's really about uh, pushing the principles of the Enlightenment and what has built up Western culture, and you know the the benefits of scientific progress and why it's it's all good. And he gets into a lot about building wealth, and I guess it got me thinking about it because he's very pro wealth, and I felt like he was making some good points, and. They were points that don't necessarily line up with some of the spread the wealth sentiment that I feel like has taken hold, particularly in ours and our generation and Generation Z, where, uh, you know, the purported ownership of, of just assets in general seems to be a lot less than that of generations past. And so there's kind of been a spread the wealth movement to a degree. So I just wanted to chop it up with you so I didn't like box in all these like weird opinions that weren't going anywhere. Yeah. Just kind of let it air it out and do what I think we do here, which is just talk our way to some sense of peace about what's going on. Yeah, well, you, and dude, I mean, I, you know, I'm, 
I'm always down to chop it up. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, like I, I, like I just told you, I can always rely on you to give at least 85%. Yeah, exactly, man. And so- sometimes when the sleep score hits 100, so does the effort. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, I'm looking for a B-plus effort yeah, tonight. Yeah, I can handle that. It's a, they're, they're, it's a tough subject, so the teacher's going to round up the curve here. You know, I um, it has it really has become a a very pervasive and prevalent topic that just it does it just kind of threads itself throughout almost everything. Um, it's you know it's thread it's thread through COVID. You know who was most impacted by it? Those that were without wealth, um, the racial injustices, right? It brings a it brings to to it's really been brought to light and I'm, I'm sitting here wondering to myself, well, why is it like, you know, our, our generation, you know, the millennial generation is kind of coming to age now. And I think one of the things that where it comes from, where it stems from or where the curiosity comes from is, Hey, look, yeah, we were probably pampered a little bit because our parents as you know, as boomers, they struggled. Their parents were world war two veterans. They saw some stuff. They made our lives a little more easy um, mm. it, for the most part. I mean, I don't want to overgeneralize here, but you know, you, it was, you know, the, 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 there was a template. You go to high school, you graduate college, you get out of college, you take a, a decent paying job, and then you start to work your way up some imaginary corporate ladder until you recognize I can, I can afford to get married. I can afford to buy a house. I can afford to have kids. Well, we're not, generally speaking, we're not seeing that happen. And it's not because our generation are lazy or lack some level of, like, work ethic. Like, you know, right as we were going into college, we had 9-11. Right as we're coming out of college, financial crisis. And right before 9-11, we have the stock market burst, right? Then we have the housing crisis, then, you know, we're, we're hitting our stride. Some of us have kids. We're, th- you know, we're 34, 35 years old. COVID, the world shuts down. And what all of these things do is it creates a scarcity. It creates a, there's not enough. And so people that would have historically, you know, retired, long retired at 55, 60, 65, they lost a lot of money at the end of their career. So they have to stick it out longer. And when they're sticking it out longer, those the, the, the job advancements become harder and they become fewer and far in between, right? If you're thinking about a professional, if you're, if you're historically promoted to partner at 30, well, now you have to wait till 40, right? And so now you have to change careers maybe at 35. So it's not to, not to blame it on anybody, right? And it's not saying we didn't get our fair shake. I think, you know, you and I would agree we're, we're both very fortunate. You know, I don't think I'd consider myself, you know, Bill Gates or... You know, someone who's Doug. I'm, I'm drinking a Topo Chico right now. That is true. I think I'm doing. That I'm doing true. quite well. You know what? I don't drink Lipton tea. I drink Yogi when I do my podcasts. Um, wow, that's so expensive. I've never even heard of it. It's don't don't worry about it, dude. It's a Whole Foods kind of thing. You wouldn't <laughs> you you would you don't want to you don't want to get into that stuff. Um, it's not sweet tea. Let's put it that way. But you know, thank you. You know, I think it becomes a. It becomes so prevalent because 
a, a, the, the bulk of the incoming society that we're going to be the leaders of tomorrow. We're going to be the politicians of tomorrow and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're like, where is this dream <laughs> that was, and not to mention, what about all these other people that are of, you know, minorities or not even just minorities, but people that are in rural areas of the country that don't have access to and even minor metropolitan areas, even like tier two, tier three cities are, they're getting left in the dust and, Mm. and we're kind of getting this peeling back of the veil a little bit where whether you're talking about corporations, whether you're talking about politicians, they thrive and stay in power when we're, when we're all fighting with each other, when we're all, when, when the little bit of cheese that's out there, is from working class and middle class people. Not to mention they have a whole warehouse of cheese that they are keeping and kind of throwing. You know what I mean? So th- there's this sort of yeah. peeling back yeah, of the Yeah, the free veil. government cheese. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so you know, I don't know. I mean that, that's my little that's my little um soliloquy to kick this off, but it's definitely something that I've I've spent a lot of time thinking about. I don't know that I have any real answers, but I definitely have some thoughts around it. I'm definitely interested to hear yours. No, I think you encapsulated like the general ambiance really well. And I want to hone in on one particular word you used, which was scarcity. Mm-hmm. Because I, I kind of side with the Brene Brown verve of the modern person's emotional landscape, which is the greatest creator of anxiety amongst folks like ourselves. Uh, is a sense of scarcity. Whether we're talking about something, you know, we talked about sleep, whether we're talking about something as simple as like you didn't get enough sleep, you woke up and you feel like you're behind all day, or you look at the job landscape and like, what am I going to do with my life? And there's just nothing that seems to fit or make sense. Or you come out of school with this massive student loan debt And it's like, no matter how much money I make, it's not going to chop down this, this you know, something crazy that I heard was that even if you declare bankruptcy student, the student loan debt sticks with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only, it's the only kind of debt you can't declare bankruptcy on. So the way I've heard it described is that the. U.S. government has essentially figured out how to make people human batteries for their economy. And that's by not giving them a way out. Yeah. Like no matter what, you have to keep on running on the hamster wheel once you have this debt on you. There's there's absolutely zero opportunity to bail unless something new happens. That's so so – I mean it's so insane. It's so insane to me. But anyway – yeah, no, it's it's wild. And gosh, the student loan thing, like I wrote about that in Cheeto Dust. It's a significant, uh, drives a significant plot point in my novel. Like I've done a ton of research on the student loan situation. And it's frankly, unless they, unless something is done to just abolish the debt, we're kind of past the point of no return for minimum hundreds of thousands of young Americans. Like, yeah, the something radical would have to happen in the economy or with our access to energy. 
Like we would need some crazy technological leap forward that is like our version of the internet to reinvent the economy to for us to just be okay with not peeling back the existing debt. Yeah. But, uh, you know, or we just like let the next generation figure out not to have student loan debt and just let an entire generation of Americans that have it like, Hey, tough cookies. Hopefully, hopefully you have boomer parents that'll like write a good will. Right. Yeah. When, you know, like it, there's, there's just not a good broad solution to, to that particular problem. But yeah, I think the scarcity angle is why, why there's a ton of stress about it because like it allows, if, if we're talking about the topic of wealth, it allows you to feel nervous no matter what topic we're talking about and which side of it you're on. So I wanted to try to tackle this like from a big picture perspective. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, scarcity is really an emotional thing, right? Like I know a lot of, I, I don't know a lot relative word. I know people who are really struggling with money. I know people who are really struggling with student loan debt. And yet those people also have like homes and families. They eat every day, right? It's, it's a different type of scarcity that they're dealing with. Uh, and maybe it catches up to them at a later point in life. But I kind of want to start there when we talk about wealthy and wealth and building wealth and is it possible? Let's back all the way up. And I was just curious, how do you define wealth personally? Is it like, like when I was a kid, it was being a millionaire. If you were a millionaire, you were wealthy. Dude. <laughs> So I grew up in a uh, like you know a, a ranch style house. It was a family house um, built in like the fifties, built mm-hmm. by my grandfather's own two hands. Like I love that. Like the the <laughs> uh, the rebar to to pull the house together had like baby crib, like old baby crib that wasn't being used from a like landfill. So for me, when I was a kid, wealth was if you had steps in your house and you had cable. Like that was that was really making it. That's what it felt like. Was wealthy mm-hmm. was. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, yeah, oh my, you're a millionaire. There was who wants to yeah. be a millionaire on TV. Um, I remember my mom reading a book called The Millionaire Next Door. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because regardless, no matter where you are, if if you make twenty thousand dollars a year, wealthy to you is fifty thousand dollars a year in income. If you make $100,000 a year, wealthy to you is $400,000 a year. There's there's this uh, carrot on the stick. But if you just look at what is wealth and, and what is wealth versus rich, right? Because I think there's definitely like a – I think this this might even be like a Webster definition. I have no idea. I didn't look it up. But wealth to me would be – having more than you need or uh, having more than what you need to consume or, or something like very Naval type thing. Like you, you don't have to worry about anything because everything's already taken care of sort of thing. Mm. If that, I don't know if that makes any sense as I kind of diced through that. Well, no, it does. And I think it gets to something I wanted to get your perspective on 
Does wealth really have anything to do with income? The easy answer for me is is uh, probably no. But mm. but I don't you know I'm not I'm not making twenty five thousand dollars a year with two kids right. Like I'm not a single mom with two kids making making peanuts. And I have to rely on, you know, government assistance. So to some degree, wealth does rely on income or the access to some sort of financial security. Right. Um, Yeah, I think that's probably the way I've always looked at it is, and I I think the Naval angle you took was right, which is like wealth is really almost an emotional state. Mm. And I think this is what makes it tricky for people is so many we're told over and over money doesn't buy happiness, but yes, it does. Yeah, because because if happiness is something you gain through like frequency and ritual and a command over these uh, this litany of factors that uh, control your mind, right? You need time and routine, and you need your expectations to be met. And when all you're doing is scrambling to catch up to the ills that money quickly solves, you're never going to find that sense of peace or that sense of happiness. Yeah. And so I I think we get caught up on the money side of wealth because the vast number of people are still sorting through that. And I think we get it twisted because people who have the money part figured out, they, they tend to understand that the money part is not the whole thing. And so they start talking about the thing that actually creates anxiety in their life. And they're like, no, you know, the happiness isn't about money. It's, you know, money isn't what really stresses you out. They start talking about process yeah. and and other stuff, right? Like you talk about like eight hours of sleep right. instead of like pulling pulling shift work, right? Yeah. So I, yeah. I just think it's I think it's an emotional state of being, and like money helps you get there big time. But if you just we mess up if we say like making over $150,000 a year puts you in, you know, the top 5% and you can consider yourself wealthy. Yeah. Right. Well, cause yeah, I mean, if you're, That's, if your living expenses are 150,001, then you have just as many dollars as the person who makes $0. I, I think, I, I think you're right. I think in some way you're right. But the the where where I'd push back just a little bit is that is true if your basic human needs are met, and so you don't have to worry about food, shelter, clothes. Um, I'll put healthcare in there. Mm-hmm. If you don't have to worry about those four things, like if. If you got laid off tomorrow and if and you being laid off means your family loses their house, then you can't think about what it is to be wealthy. 
And in fact, it actually is a money thing because more money would mean that you don't have that anxiety or that stress. So maybe to say wealth is a state of mind in some capacity is you're free of the anxiety of, well, maybe not entirely free, but you theoretically could be free of the anxiety of if something catastrophic happens, will my family, will I be okay? Mm. And so what wealth could even be working for a company where you have a great health insurance plan, right? I mean, all these things com- combined, maybe it's a generational thing, but, but yeah, I think as long as it's not specifically money, as long as the basic needs of life are able to be met. Is there in your mind, does absolute wealth really have that much value at all? I I guess this is where I get to a sticking point. Absolute wealth or well-being versus comparable. So when I think of like absolute wealth, like what could, what's the nicest TV Howard Hughes could have bought? Right? Mm. Guy had all the money in the world and it would have been like, you know, a projector that flipped the little reels. Right. And you'd have to like change over after every 45 minutes. Versus now if you get, if you pull $500 together, you can get something incredible compared mm-hmm. to that. Right. So it's like absolute wealth is kind of ticked up across the board in American life. And yet I feel like comparative wealth has gotten worse. Does that jive with you at all? Uh, yeah. So the, the general state of being for, let's say, most Western civilizations, specifically the U.S., are we in a better state now wealth-wise than what we were 100 years ago? Yeah, I mean, I think so. We're, we live longer. We have better health. We have Everything's improved. Science has improved a lot of things. Transportation has improved a lot of things. Uh, access, internet. But but when you say uh, to com- comparative wealth, you mean like what does Jeff Bezos make versus what does one of his factory workers make? Right. Yeah. Like that gap's never been bigger. Never been bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is that a bad thing? I think that's where I get kind of tripped up. I don't know if that's a bad thing. It feels bad. Well, so he, I, I heard it put this way, and I, I don't know who said it. It was on some, I don't know, armchair Rogan experience, Tim Ferriss. One of these people were on here, <laughs> one of these things. Sure. Um, and, you know, you, you have companies like, and, and this is a product of the American tax system, but you have companies like, Amazon, who pay almost virtually nothing in federal taxes. Walmart, who has probably a thousand accountants who look to minimize their tax burden, right? Mm-hmm. But, but what do federal taxes pay for? Infrastructure. They pay for roads, right? How does mm-hmm. Amazon deliver our products? On the roads. They use the roads, Tommy. They use the roads, right? So at the at the end of it, 
who's and en- who ends up paying the tax to keep those roads in good condition so that these trucks can be delivered. And it's the, it's, you know, it's the American people. It's the average person. Right. So, so I don't know. I mean, but I, that also is me separating the the person from the company a little bit, or maybe, maybe blending them together a little bit. Is it, I, this might be a reach and I'll, uh, I tend to do this, right? I get like really abstract. I'm wandering around the topic. Yeah, I'll try to make it a little bit more precise. I, in my current work, I, I haven't necessarily run up against this, but I have intentionally never applied for a promotion that didn't kind of come to me. Right. Like I didn't, I haven't sought out the next rung up the ladder. Mm -hmm. I just kind of try to do my job as well as I can. And if it opens up to me, then I have a decision to make at a crossroads. But the reason I haven't is because every time I look upwards on the corporate ladder, I see a sacrifice that goes with that that job, right? Like whether it's time or um, a disconnect from the actual value of my work, like everything just becomes more, uh, more trade off. Like, would I have to travel more? Am I working a global perspective? And now my hours get weird, right? This could be, I'll use one more example. College football, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to, or basketball, pick any college sport. If you want to be a serious head coach at a major program, you have to make some... (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know the the skull cap deals they have with Nike? It's big money. Fantastic. Big money. If you want to be a head coach, yeah. Yeah, there's a compromise you have to make. Like, it's kind of known that there's you're taking advantage of the players. They aren't getting paid. And you have to convince them to come to your program. And you either do that by, like, getting a little bit dirty with these shoe companies, these apparel companies, or, uh, you know, maybe you tell them lies. I don't know. It's just, like, the general consensus is that it's not a – a clean program. So what I'm coming around to is, is it possible, and this is maybe what people have a problem with capitalism about, that wealth selects worse people? Like if you're inclined to be like a teacher or, you know, a high school coach, you know, uh, or just like, I want to be a really good parent. Mm-hmm those professions kind of have a ceiling on the money you can make unless you compromise that calling. Yeah. Whereas the things that make the most money is like hedge fund, Wall Street, right? Yeah. It's, uh... Yeah, I mean, it, that, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that's... It, that, 
if, if we're saying that, then we absolutely have to tie wealth to money, right? Wealth has to be money. Because you could be a teacher or a nurse or a, a daycare teacher, a nanny, and your income could be $35,000 a year. But if you don't need more than that to live and you're very fulfilled in your in your occupation and you don't necessarily want or need for anything then maybe by your by by your definition you're wealthy but if we're talking about amassing money and becoming rich if rich and wealthy are synonyms then the way to do it is not to become a teacher mm. so Maybe me, and maybe that's why I keep yeah, going the opposite direction. Yeah. That's probably why I try to decouple wealth from money. Yeah, I think rich because yeah, maybe maybe that's what you know when when our parents said there's a difference between being rich and being wealthy, and maybe that's the difference is rich is specifically money. Wealthy is a little it, there. There's there's an emotional aspect to it. There and it's a bit of an equation. It's what. What is coming in versus what is going out? And mm-hmm. are you content or can you be content with wanting for less potentially? I, mean, I don't know, right? I mean, it's it's kind of blurred because wealth, the wealth gap, you know, this whole thing with, you know, I'd send it to you, Nancy Pelosi and her questionable trades on the, on the stock yeah. market that coincided with some very obvious decisions from Congress, but you know, we use, well, she's so wealthy. And so we, from a media standpoint and from a societal standpoint, we have not decoupled rich and wealthy. And so, yeah, I mean, it'd probably be dumb to say who wouldn't want more money. And I think there's very few people that wouldn't, I mean, you know, and I, and I, and I also think, and this is where, you know, maybe maybe we'll part a little bit here, but as a society, we've put a lot of money into things that entertain or are very self-serving, and we've ignored things like teachers, police officers, firefighters, military, um, people that do very difficult jobs, um that have not seen that don't see anything even close to what like a hedge fund manager makes. And all the hedge fund manager does is they're the, they're the, they they make a thousandth of a cent on every trade and they just make millions of trades. And so like, you know what I mean? So, but, but that's, that's capitalism, right? And I think that's what that, the podcast, uh, was it through the through line? Yeah. It helped highlight that we, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know where I'm going with that, but no, no, no. I I hear it. it this is kind of why I think I was getting spun up about it. It was like I just need to talk through this. Is there's a couple things happening, and one is I do believe it's important to make money, and I can see how having it has made my life a lot easier and will make my kids' life much easier. And so I know that money is important. And I feel like 
I'm comfortable in this, the current system. I, I kind of like what I know about it, and I like my ability to navigate it. Sure. At the same time, I hear a lot of complaints about the current system. And I am not, I am not immune to the logic of some of the arguments. However, wealth is not a natural occurrence. Whether you're talking about your, talking about from an emotional standpoint and like, hey, let's balance my personal budget. I'm going to drive expenses below income and I'm going to save appropriately so yeah. that I've managed the stress and anxiety of my existence. You have to create that for yourself. Mm-hmm. And you know I love bootstraps. Like what? <laughs> What a wonderful invention. I'll just reach down. But like there's if the the recurring story we're hearing is that people are unable to do that. Yeah. Like I guess what's tough for me is it doesn't jive with my personal experience. Sure. My experience was that like I was stumbling through my 20s. I got my act together through like a very intense study of myself. And when I started doing that, life started getting a lot better, including economically. Yeah. And maybe some of that's just age. Maybe it's something else. But I, I guess what I'm coming around to is would you be upset if this country started turning a little bit more socialist policy. Mm. You painted me into a corner here. It's a, I'm going to strike, dude. It's, no, I'm It's kidding. a straight question. You know, five years ago, I would have had a very different answer to this. From a very practical standpoint. So, so my answer is, no, I would not be upset. I think there are some things, I mean, look, it's right in the constant, in my opinion, this is just T. Cook's opinion. You have life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Included in life is the absence of death or the morbidities that cause death. Mm -hmm. If you don't have access to proper health care. Or in some cases, the healthcare system is actually incentivized to keep people sick because it's big yeah. pharma and it's insurance. And if you're not sick, you're not going to the doctor, right? So there's a lot. Yeah, you gotta you gotta keep your supply. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I listened. I was listening to the Rich Roll podcast about mental health, and this this doctor from the UK had a, a you know a CEO in his office talking about how he's you know he's kind of depressed and he doesn't feel himself. He doesn't have good connections, no hobbies. Yeah, yeah, and the Doctor says, "Well, do you have any? Have you ever had a hobby?" And you know the end. The ending of the story is the guy ended up rekindling this hobby that he had when he was a kid. He's a you know likes building toy train sets of all things, and um, it's a healthcare system that allowed this this doctor to dig into what was the root cause instead of uh, these three or four tick boxes. Oh, yep, yep, yep. There you go. Here, here's your, um, you know, here's your prescription to antidepressant medication. Mm. So, I, so, okay. So, 
back to your question, you know, would I be okay with some more tinging? We already have some socialist things in our country. The federal, sure. the, you know, our, how we pay the federal government, police departments, school systems, um, Medicare, Medicaid, things like, you know, different social assistance programs. Where, <clears throat> and that, so that, so from a practical standpoint, though, I look at like, I think our company has a pretty competitive uh, health insurance policy, but out of pocket, mm-hmm. out of pocket, if you go, you know, if, if you're, if, especially if you have kids, you're, you're probably going to hit your out of pocket and all of your deductible and all of your, um, your premium payments, right? You're talking somewhere yep. between 10 and $20,000 a year. And that money is literally going to nobody except, well, not all of, some of it's going to the, the hospitals and the doctors, but there's a chunk of that that's just going to a middle person, right? Mm-hmm. Where this gets sticky is I don't know that the government could do it any better. <laughs> but, right. but if it was pulled out by way of taxes and it could provide more equal, in my opinion, more equal distribution of access to health care. I don't think I'd be sad about that. I think we'd have a lot less sick people. Um, same thing with like early child care. Like you know how much that costs. Oh, it's yeah. hella expensive, right? Oh yeah. Right, and so going through it right now. Exactly. Yeah. So are we. Exactly. And so you know, if there are there are government programs to do to, to help with that, but there's tons of studies out there that that show the benefits of starting children early in education and how that helps them in the future. So there are aspects of the, of, of our current society that I think I agree with you. I've not seen them uh, take place in my life. Like I haven't been, um, I won't inconvenience is the wrong word, but I haven't had to deal with Medicare, Medicaid, things like this, but there's probably, I don't know, a low estimate 30%, maybe a higher estimate 50% of people in America. If someone in their family gets catastrophically ill, they'll be broke for the rest of their lives Mm. and they'll never get out of it. Yeah. And so that's, you know, when you talk about relative versus comparative wealth in arguably the most advanced civilization in the history of the world, if we have 50% of the people in our country that, that would, would, you know, be completely lose their house if they lost their job. That's not, that's not a good thing. It's not ideal. It's not ideal. No, you know what I mean? It's less than ideal. Yeah. I think the, the health aspect is an interesting place to focus it on because I think this dovetails a lot of the things we were talking about and might turn a good segue. Uh, one, when I got diagnosed with cancer, it came out of nowhere the the oncologist can trace no traditional cause for my cancer. It's a random genetic mutation. And you're right. I'm fortunate we had incredible health insurance with our company. Uh, because out of pocket, that bill was over a million dollars. Yep. Um, that comes out of nowhere and would have... You know, even for a man drinking Topo Chico, would have <laughs> would have derailed me a bit. A little bit. 
the uh, when I'm saying I I'm so I'll answer the question. I would be a little upset to see us tick more socialist, but I don't know that my emotional reaction is the correct one. So uh, like I I feel a certain bias, um, and that's probably what you're talking about. Like, would your reaction have been different five years ago? I I haven't shed that that original skin that very conservative skin that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. It, not completely. So I think I would be, I always find myself falling towards the more capitalist, like oil baron side yeah. of, of what, these arguments. What did you think about in that, in that podcast when the, um, the topic was brought up about conservatism, conservatism and um, fiscally conservative and I think it was Vivek, uh, the guy Vivek on there, who said, "Well, yeah, it, people who you know, Bill Clinton was the last one to balance the budget. The budget has been inflated under other uh, Republican presidents con- and, and Congress. What fiscally conservative means is cutting programs to the to the you know the unwealthy, uh, while uh, increasing the incentives for the already wealthy. Do you have Did you have any opinion on that?" Yes, I have an opinion. It's exactly where I was going. <laughs> oh, man, and we've been doing this for too long. <laughs> that's what he's talking about there is people who accumulate wealth have figured out a way to expand the gap. And what that does is even it, though they've passed the, that threshold for like, I have no worries yep. long ago. Like, they keep on playing the wealth game so that they can be more and more wealthy. Like, it has levels. And as you look to your left and right, you need to keep on passing people and feeling that progress. Yeah. And the as you start taking advantage of all the different avenues that come available to you, like tax breaks from the high brackets, mm-hmm. to make sure that you get more of that in your pocket, the push down is an imposition on the poor. Now, I'm not playing the money game at like the the Bezos level, right? I'm just a dude in a mid-sized city who is is bragging about Topo Chica. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. It's uh but when I say like I feel very happy about like how I've figured out to navigate it, if an outside force to the free markets like the U.S. government comes in and puts restrictions that makes us all more equal, then it actually strips the benefit of what I've learned and done to navigate. And so it becomes an emotional game for me mm-hmm. where I have to be happy with the fact that other people are in a better place and not find my happiness in my personal progress it's kind of like uh like when you when we first took dave ramsey right and they're just talking about the evils of debt this entire country's economy is built on debt it's Mm -hmm, a debt economy if every single person in america followed the dave ramsey principles america would implode yeah we we need that debt but if I figure out that I can dump the debt, it gives me bargaining power and it gives me leverage, right? It gives me 
more comparative freedom. So even though I think absolute wealth is still like pretty good for people in America, I I think that the reason I have an emotional attachment to the way that's built now is because I have done a lot of work to some of it was lucky, right? Like not having student loan debt was lucky. And some of it was like really intentional. And the reason I said healthcare was a good call out is like there's a lot of stuff I'm doing now to take care of my long-term health that if it works out, like my comparative spending power in my later years by stockpiling an HSA that I then won't have to deplete because like I have, I'm constantly paying for beta blockers or some high premium in my, my old person insurance yeah. is better, right? So it's like if you figured out where the disadvantages are and like other people are, are being suckered by a system that preys on them and you can figure out how to outlast them, then the system actually is so far away from ever catching you. It's like I don't have to be faster than the bear. I just have to be faster than the guy next to me. Yeah. And now I say all this, I'm, I'm aware of what I'm saying. I, I'm not trying to be like, a bad person. I want to find happiness in everybody else being happy. I don't know that like smoothing it out so that we're all closer to equal in terms of money equates to we're all closer to equal in terms of our sense of well-being. But I'm I'm trying to grapple with that so that I know where to throw my hat in the ring of popular opinion when it comes to like policy that we vote on discussions I get into. Yeah. Because I, like I said, I've, I've definitely got like the, the capitalism bias in me and I'm, I'm just trying to vet how much of that is solid logic and how much of it is. eh, You just like that. Your life's pretty good right now. You just like being happy. Yeah. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. I, so capitalism is some so, still somewhat of a well maybe not maybe not a um an ex- experiment but it's it's definitely i i'm still i still think capitalism is a generally provides the best outcome mhm what what i think has happened this is just you know as i look at this objectively is the government already has stepped in and meddled and they have made it to where that gap can widen. Like, and I don't know the exact numbers, but around Reagan, the tax rate for, you know, X percent of people went way down. You know, everyone knows what everyone's heard of trickle down economics. Yeah. Well, what did, have we all not figured out that trickle down economics, if it's a trickle, it's a real slow trickle. Because the the <laughs> disparity has just gotten we, no one will deny that the disparity has gotten larger and larger, and we're not even talking about like the Bezos or the Walton family, like they've created a good or a service that has fundamentally changed the world, and so they should be compensated for that. What we get into is is the toxic part of that, and you look at at sort of their lifestyle or their ability to amass wealth 
and their drivers taking dumps in bags because they have three minutes to assemble this dresser. Otherwise, they risk being fired. And you heard it in yep. the in the Crystal and Sagar interview where it's like after three years, they generally stop the promotion tree. They want them to find something else to do. Now, whatever their truth is to that, I, I don't I don't really know. But one of the things to be very aware of is to look at, um, and you are, I'm not saying you're not, to look at like what forces around you have allowed you to get to where you are. And a lot of it is self-agency, no doubt about it. You got to get up, you got to make your bed, you got to put your, you know, you got to put your shoes on, you got to go to a job, whether you like it or not, you know, you have to kind of grind through in some capacity. Mm-hmm. But we were also taught that, right? And we were taught it in, you know, double marriage, you know, married families where work ethic was instilled, where, you know, thankfully there was nobody in prison. And we also lived in proximity to good, decent sized cities. I lived near DC and Baltimore, Annapolis. You were near um, Kansas City ish, right? Yep. And so we're not living in the coal mines of West Virginia where the trades ran up. You know, we're not living in, in, you know, Compton or, you know, whatever. And so our, our ability to climb out, even if we've dug ourselves into a ditch, is, is, is we, have, we have a greater ability to do that than someone that's never seen anybody do that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, so, you know, there's... But but you're right. It's like well, you teach a man to fish or give a man a fish. And I think that the, the separating line of what you're saying is, is it equality of outcome or is it equality of opportunity? Mm, and it's such old it's, it's, classic it's, debate. It's, right. It is. And in some capacity, you do have to somewhat equal the outcomes in order to create an equitable opportunity. There's just no other way yes. to slice that. Right. Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. And so you're you're yeah. right. You you have to be okay saying, I make a hundred thousand dollars a year. After taxes, I get sixty five thousand. Would I be okay with sixty thousand if my childcare, whatever my 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 child's pre K or whatever was taken care of, and so is the rest of America's. Um, or is that extra $5,000? Is that, am I entitled to that? And I think that's the, that's the dividing line. Um, Mm. but again, I think we're in this, we're also in this conversation, Dusty, where, and, and, and I think politicians are really good at spinning this. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle they sit on. There's an enemy and the enemy is the person that makes $10,000 more than you. Yeah. Right? It's not it's not the person that makes $10 million more than you. And they're not even an enemy. Like but but the but the person who has $10 million can also invest in a ton of real estate and they have are building wealth that way. They can also play games at the stock market and they can build wealth that way right and then not to mention mm-hmm. 
the tax code is so convoluted that they can afford to pay top-level CPAs to minimize their tax, right? Whereas, like, you know, I talked to one of my German colleagues, and he was like, that shit is stupid. He said, I can do my taxes on a piece of napkin. (laughs) Like, He's like, the fact that it's so complicated, you need a notebook to do it is... I don't know. I mean, yeah. Is our society in a better state state than Germany? I have no idea. Never been to Germany, but you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> like I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, there, there's this. You you have you know, we have this mentality where well I don't want to lose more money to pay for the person that you know doesn't take personal agency. But I think it's less that it's it's more so like these there are ultra what we consider ultra wealthy. 25, mm-hmm. 50 million and above. That's generational wealth. Like, and they, they're not paying, you know, their tax rates lower. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, now, now we're getting into like things that I'm not super informed on, like tax code and tax rates and things like that. But you're not wrong no, in what I, you're thinking. You know, it's, it's, it's just a matter of, I mean, it's, it's such a, it's such a, 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 a pervasive topic in our in our society right now well part of what you're talking about with the complexity of the tax code is what makes it such an aggravating thing and why i started like spinning circles in my head about like where do i land on this Mm -hmm. is it's so difficult to understand like i think half the reason i fall down on the the capitalism side of the argument so often is because i understand like controlling what's in my life, mm-hmm. you, you know, and like just the individual, you know, I joke about the bootstraps thing, but the reason the bootstraps argument makes sense to me is like, I can wrap my head around that. Yeah. You worked hard. Like you buckled down. You, you were making 25 K. So you did your budget. You did your budget. You did your expenses and your income and you made sure that you, you socked away $500 a month. Right. Right? And you saved that money till you got the next opportunity. And then, like, those principles crossed over and that 500 became 1000 It's like, I know that's a lame story, but it's an easy one to digest. Whereas when I try to, like, okay, what does society need? Now, yeah. how much... How do we how do we start breaking down this trillion dollar federal budget? Like it just, I can't do it. It's there's this it's like there's yeah. an insanity to it. There there's this interesting thought process, and 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 it's it's around, you know, uh, UBI universal basic income, and it's like giving people a safety net does not well. It it just depends on where you fall on this. Some people will say giving people a safety net will, by nature, make them lazy. They won't want to go to work. Um, they, they'd be much rather just um, hanging out, playing game, playing PlayStation, and collecting their UBI. I 100% don't believe in that side of so, it. So, yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. And, and if you do, it's not, you know, you're not a good or bad person. It's just what you think. The, the other side of it that says giving people the safety net would drive more innovation because people aren't necessarily tied. They can pay their rent. They can buy food. 
and they don't have to be tied to a job that is absolutely unfulfilling to them. And what I, and on top of that, if it is deemed to be unfulfilling at the price point, then capitalism should say, pay that person more or create better working conditions or something so that that person does want to come in and do said job. But yeah, I, I heard that recently where it's like, oh yeah, well that, that it could, it could free people to pursue things that whether it's art, whether it's innovation, whether it's whatever. Well, you know, I, and I don't, I don't buy that second one either. I think there's this myth of innovation, right? Like Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak doing it in a garage and yeah. like, Hey, anybody, like if they, they weren't stressed out, they could latch onto that thing. But the truth is, you know, similar to the question we had, when was the last time you did something for the first time? First times, like true innovation just doesn't really happen very often. And the, the place that iteration happens most frequently is when there is a wealth of surplus. Like the companies that are making the most innovation in their respective fields are all the biggest companies. They've got the, the biggest R&D departments, and they've devoted the most time and effort to doing new stuff. And yeah, it only looks like a little iteration on what they already have, and that's all it is. But if you look at what they were doing 10 years ago versus now, radically different. And that happens way more often than like two dudes got together and yeah. figured <clears throat> something out. So. I, I like the UBI thing because I do believe in a floor. If you can, if you're a society capable of creating it and there's no reason America shouldn't be one of those societies, then you should create it. And then I guess like you could get finicky about what that means and where it should be. I, I tend to think like people are who they are and you know, the, the money, the money makes you safer, but it doesn't really change you that much. Do you, do you believe people are inherently? I know that comes in variations. Do you believe people are inherently good, or that people are inherently evil? I believe that people are inherently selfish, and sometimes that surfaces in good ways, and sometimes that surfaces in bad ways. Mm. You've answered this before, and that. Well, it's just the the more. The more capable you become, the more you can expand your concept of yourself, whether that's conversationally, ideologically, whether it is with the stability that you can provide for those around you. Uh, and so people who do well tend to just become more, not like better or worse, mm -hmm. right? And and it's just more of what they are. And like, what does it mean to be selfish? Like everybody has a different take on that. Like is, uh, there's a line in, I know you don't watch the Marvel movies, but most people do closest thing we have to a monoculture here. <laughs> there's a, the, the captain America character, he kind of proves his worthiness by jumping on a grenade when he's just a small skinny guy. Like he would give his life for, those around him, mm -hmm. right? And so you look at that like a selfless act. But then later, a few movies later in Civil War, 
uh, he says something to the effect of, you know, I see a situation going south and I can't ignore it. Sometimes I wish I could. And another character says to him, no, you don't. And he kind of smirks and says, no, I don't. And the, the thing there is that, like, he's not actually selfless. Like, it is a selfish desire. He feels better about himself when he helps other people. And even saying, like, hey, sometimes I wish I could be more selfish is a lie. Like, he's, he's as selfish as he could be because we all are. We're incapable of, of doing anything but our own interests. And the way we understand those things might change, but money, I don't think, is often the thing that changes those. You know, it's usually a relationship, maybe a kid, right? Like, you, something that gets you outside of your own head. Hmm. But we, uh, just, just in the interest of time, I... Unless you have something else you want to tack in, no. I'm ready to hard pivot. No, I'm good. I'm good. This has been, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed this. It's been good. Yeah, man. I, I feel like I needed to, I weirdly feel confessional about, this is probably why I need to talk about it, is I think I've been taking in a lot of the the more socialist ideas, and I think I've been feeling a little guilty about my mindset on the topic. Yeah. And, you know, as both of us veterans of therapy, like the way for me to start sorting through all of this is to like, I just got to start talking about it. And, uh, yeah, I, I feel a little, I feel better. I feel more oriented. Like I know what's in my head a little bit better. Good, man. It, and it would be interesting to have, have Jeremy on to really dig into cuz he's very he's he's head first into you know socialism and um uh communal unionizing things like that so it'd be interesting um to have him hear yeah. him kind of dig in a little more on that we'll have to do that yeah it would yeah i yeah i would like that we'll leave it there yeah. we we can dig into it more then the we're not really strangers question of the week it's a good one this week. It's a good one. What's the best gift I can give myself in this chapter of my life? And what I wanted to do, because I threw this out on Instagram, is I first wanted to read some answers from a few, uh, a few folks and get your feedback on it and then get our own answers and recommendations out there, and then we'll wrap it. Cool. So, what's the best gift I can give myself in this chapter of my life? The Jog Father, Dylan Richard, friend of the pod. Ah. He answered a structured daily schedule. Oh, that's good. There's a lot Thoughts. of value to it. There's a lot of value to that. It is, I yeah. would yeah, I mean, here's my take on it. If you are single or married sans children, do it now because that is the ultimate game changer about building a solid schedule. I mean, I, we 
you know, I can still work in the things that I need to work in, but it's definitely uh, more of a challenge once you add another human being that you're responsible for. But yeah, I think that's, there's a lot of value to that. Is, uh, is spontaneity overrated? Like we like the magic sound of it. Like, oh, he's so spontaneous. No, I don't think so. Spontaneity doesn't mean uh, you pick up, you know, you go to your wife's work, pick her up, and you guys go skydiving naked together. It could, it could just be like <laughs> sounds fantastic, <laughs> flapping in the wind. Uh, but you know, I I think a um. So I think spontaneity is good in doses, and what it does is it is it prevents the schedule from becoming monotonous because mm-hmm. monotony can get, can, can get demoralizing. It's like, Oh my, I have to eat grilled chicken and salad again tonight. Sometimes we'll have, we'll have some chicken in the fridge and I know it's expiring the next day. And Annie will call me and say, you guys, you want to get Mexican with the kids? And sometimes only sometimes I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Oh, yeah. But if you're spontaneous every day, then you sort of lack some structure and you're just kind of floating in the wind. You're whatever consequences be damned, whatever wherever the wind takes you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I never uh, I never love my family more than when I've like been on a trip and I've you know I've been with them all the time, and that trip breaks that up, and like I'm just away for a couple of days, and it's like I can't wait to just get back to the old grind. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, right, exactly. It's like and you and you're a better father husband for it, right? I think so. I think so. All right. The what's the best gift I can give myself? Uh at Sprouty JP. Big uh big fan of the pod. Our our first Apple review actually. Hey, well, thank you, Sprouty. Came from her. Uh, and her answer to the question, which she might even be mine. Well, we'll sort through it was grace. Oh, what a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, I was dabbling with that one too. I know. It's just, it's such a great catch all. It is. <laughs> and gosh, for, for two guys who are doing, uh, a lot of self work, you need a lot of extra grace because to do the work, you have to like really look at what's wrong with me. Oh yeah. The, uh, answer from friend and one time guest of the pod at I am Q five. Oh, some new Jordans. Oh yeah. Well, that, that was, that was my first joke answer. Gosh, he's been stealing all my material. <laughs> You guys spend too much time together. I, you know, on a, uh, yeah, we we used to spend more time. Now it's a lot of uh, just g chatting and texting. But yeah, we spend probably too much virtual time together. And then uh, last one I'll read um, from Hillary Deanne, old friend from high school. Nice. She said, "Seriously, investing in my own physical and mental health." Good stuff. Which is, come on, down, fastball down the middle. Here we go. Out of the park. Tee it up. 
Uh, even 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 Billy Ripken could clear the fences with that. Oh, f face. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I you know that that's one of those things, man. I, I listened to the hella good interview on uh, podcast with which role, and he was like, he said, do something physical that you didn't think was possible and do it every day for 30 days or 60 days. He's like, if it's mm-hmm. running, don't say you have to run a mile and don't say you have to run five miles. See if you can run for five minutes. Start there. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> we talked about this with Zach uh, Westerbeck on the pod too, is the physical improves the mental. Cause it's all, yeah. you know, like, the brain is the body, you know, it's not like this, it's not this thing hovering above us, right? It is literally, and it, and it functions and thrives in the same way other organs do, maybe not exactly in the same way, but you know, the, the feel good that you have after a workout is not some ambiguous thing. It's literal chemicals that are reacting in your brain. So, well, and I'll even, I'll even take this more literally on the investing front. A Peloton is expensive. If you buy it and you love it, I promise you, you will not regret a dollar. Nope. The the things that are actual investments in yourself, and I feel the same way about therapy. Like, yeah, if you just do it, you know, five or six times, but if you actually really invest in it, you're like, okay, I don't care what it costs. Like, I'm doing this for a year. Like... You'll get to the other end of that year and you will take it with you forever and you won't regret any of it. Like you own all of that money that you just spent on yourself. Couldn't agree more. So, yeah, I I love that answer. It's great. So, Tommy, what is the best gift Tommy Cooksey can give himself in this chapter of his life? To quote the great Quint Coward, a new pair of Jordans. (laughs) Um... No, those are some good ones, man, and and it's uh, it's cool that people are interacting. And maybe I, I need to toss the picture up there and see what some folks say. I'll probably get more like wise ass answers than real answers, but we'll see. Um, hey. Con- considering, yeah, Quint's my friend too, but you're you're the original lineage, and considering he gave the most wise ass answer, yeah. <laughs> that's probably what I'm expecting. You know, those are your circles, but but I do think all of those answers were. Uh, I mean, th- those are those are fantastic, and hopefully you know, to the people that are listening that you, you find the, the ability to give yourself those, um, those gifts. And most importantly, thank you for sharing. Ah, yes. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take one and this is, this is kind of the first word that came to mind and I sat with it for a while and it's probably related to grace. Definitely rhymes with grace is uh space. And I, and when I, mm. when I say it, I think I mean it both in a physical and in a um, like time mental space. So understanding that I love my kids to death and sometimes I just need five minutes to step away and re recalculate myself Bef- mm-hmm. before and even early having kids, you sort of had the white knuckle mentality. Like, no, I am going to stick it through and I'm going to prove I'm the superior human in this relationship. I am the parent. 
and and I've realized I need to step away sometimes. Um, and then also in a very literal sense, like my workspace, like my where where I do my work. Realizing that if I'm not careful, it becomes crowded with like paper towels, sticky notes, um, stuff on the bed behind me. And I noticed that, you know, my ability to do work decreases in the garage gym, kids, toys, stuff to go to Goodwill, recycle stuff that I haven't taken out yet. That begins to pile up around the gym and I feel less motivated to go out there and do the workout. And so from an actual physical Mm -hmm. space, like that's a gift that I, I need to continue to keep space that I can go and do the thing that I need to do in that space. Um, and then, you know, just from a, it'd be more of a, of a, of a mental standpoint, like maybe it's time, but, but not forgetting to take time for things like doing my daily meditation, giving myself the space and the time to do a daily workout, uh, finding time to work that in. Um, so yeah, I think space is where I'm going to land on this one. Man, I love that. Just just based upon, you know, actually having completed this physical space that is now my gym and office, and the way I have felt better oh, yeah. about how I'm engaging with my, my work, my workouts, my body, my mind, uh, creating an actual space for your life is... Yeah, the, the the whole magic of tidying up, it really is true. It is, yeah. Real magic there. Yeah, I don't, you know, and I don't I don't tell the story as well as he does because he's so convicted, but, but when Jordan Peterson, I think the first chapter of the book is like, make your bed. And, you know, just mm. taking that personal agency, it's not going to solve any, you know, the world's problems, but it will get you off to the right start on the day. And when you come back home to the made bed, you can remember, I made that bed before I left this morning. I did something. Like, I did something today. So, anyway. Love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, man. I think uh, I'm tempted to say vulnerability, but... I feel like we've run down that that path several times, and you know, I, I think I've done an okay job with that. I've I've found some outlets, and if there's one thing I know about myself at this stage in my life, it's that I'm resilient, and so every time I give myself like an actual vulnerable moment, disclosing something about myself that makes me feel uncomfortable. Uh, risking something that normally I'd, I'd be like, what's the point? Or maybe I shouldn't do it. Or if that goes badly, I'll feel really bad. I now know I kind of bounce back from those things. I think I've gotten better at it. So that's kind of happening with more regularity. It feels like a cheap answer. And I think it's, I think it's automatically folded in by the real gift I'd like to give myself. And that's just presence. Mm. I have gotten so caught up in like an achievement 
mentality, right? That like I'll eat a worse a meal I don't enjoy now because I I know I'll get the physical benefits later. Yeah. Uh, or I I grind on my work now so that like I'll be I'll be less stressed or I'll feel better about what I've done later. And that has served me well in some respects, but it's also, it has left me feeling a heavy amount of anxiety in this particular year where so much has been going on, so many changes to my family dynamic. And so I'd like to kind of let go of having such a death grip on planning for the future and like working so hard to resolve my feelings of the past. Although I do think that that is part of investing in myself and there's a certain presence in some ways that I do that not to, you know, slice the onion here, but I would just like to, I'd just like to, you know, when Walter's in front of me, and we're playing some silly game to be a little less worried about putting in an AirPod and getting some information so that I'm improving myself for the days to come. And I would like to just focus a little bit more on being as silly as possible in that moment and enjoying letting myself like dip into that childlike emotion and just being there. And uh, I don't really know what that does for me in the future, and I think that's kind of the point. I feel you, dude. So I think just presence. I, I, I would just really like to do that for myself and kind of set myself free from the, maybe a better way to say it is, the gift of lowered expectations. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what that is. It's just like, just be here and forget about where it's taking me. Do you ever, cause do, I, I thank you for sharing. Um, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't empathize with that more. Do you ever feel like part of this is my, I have this guilt thing that I still work through, but <clears throat> like, like the, you know, the kids go to bed and you're recounting kind of the day and the time you spent with them. And you're like, damn, I missed a moment to really be present. Like they wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, jump on me or whatever. And I was distracted by this work email I got or this thing. And I, and it's like, damn it. I, I 30, you know, three hours later, I look back and I'm like, that's where I didn't capture the moment. And, yeah, you know, maybe the guilt there is a little bit healthy to say next time I'm going to be more aware. Um, that's where the whole guilt shame comes into play. But yeah, do, do you ever feel that or get that? Get that? Feeling? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm even talking about this is one. I don't know how good of a dad I am. I think I'm I'm doing all right. But like what do you measure yourself against? Right. You know, it's just, it's kind of this amorphous thing. So I just kind of like go with my feelings and I've been reading Walter, his stories for the last couple months, at least 
it's happened a lot more frequently since Winnie showed up and Katie usually puts her down. And uh, just a few days ago, I, I normally read him two books. He's been into the same two. And like I try to really do it with like full of fervor. I'm, I'm doing all the voices. Yeah. You know, one voice is like this and another voice is like this. Yeah, yeah. And like I'm, I'm really putting on the show and I enjoy it too, and he gets into it. And uh, and we got done with two books, and I also, like, I was going to make dinner, and, you know, I got to get dinner done by a certain time so that, like, if we watch a movie that's under two hours, we're in bed before, like, yeah. Yeah. 9.30. Yep. Like, and I'm just thinking, like, I can do this all, and that's, like, my only time to completely just, like, unplug and, like, let my brain loose and... And we got done with that second book, and he so badly, Mo, Mo, wanted another book. Yeah. Would have taken, what, five, ten minutes? Yeah. And I just kind of got like, hey, no, you know, we we just two books. That's it. Hey, you can go to bed. And I'm trying to talk him into bed, yeah. but he doesn't want to do it. And, like, I'm telling myself, like, the whole don't let your – don't let your kid become someone who annoys you yeah, type right. of thing. Yep. And like, I'm, I'm twisting the logic as I'm doing You're it. You're thinking, okay, and if we do three books tonight, we do three books every night. Right. Like, and I'm spinning this all around and I got downstairs and I hear him crying from upstairs and look, he cried himself out and he slept and he was fine. Yeah. But I didn't feel good about it. Yeah. Been there. I felt like, I felt like I really should have done that third book. And, uh, I have moments like that all the time, all the time, dude. And I feel it yeah. right. You can't see me on camera cause it's not working, but right in the center of my chest, like right in the middle of my sternum. And I'm like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, look, I know. you can, you can admit to it and you're aware of it and you can now adjust if you weren't aware of it. <laughs> Then we'd have a different, be a whole different conversation, right? Yeah, and like I said, I don't know like where to where you draw these lines, you know. Uh, you figure, yeah, you figure it out. You know, it's yeah. it's one of these yeah, yeah, yeah. like in one one of the cool things, um, little preview of your future is like now Everett's really into games, and he likes mm. his books, but you know most nights because he he goes to bed a little bit later than Milo. We'll put Milo to bed, and I'm like, okay, go ahead downstairs and get the game set up, whatever game it is. It's usually, you know, he's <laughs> he's four and a half, so there's not a lot of, but you know, you get into it, you have fun, and 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 it's and it is ends up being a teachable moment where I can teach him not to cheat. Like there are rules of this mm-hmm. game, right? There are winners and there are losers, and I've actually seen a ton of progress from him. Like the first time we played Candyland. And I think he lost like two times in a row. He literally took the cards and threw them across the kitchen. We're now at a point where like, we're now at a point where, you know, at least if he wins one round of a superhero shoots and ladders and I win the next, the next match, he says we're taught. We tied. We're making progress. We're making progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway. But, you know, who's who's the reigning champ? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, you know, when, when we're playing, so we're actually getting into some more complex games like Go Fish, which I had to mm-hmm. Google how to actually play it. <laughs> couldn't remember. The, I have no idea. Couldn't remember the exact rules. Yeah. 
but you know, you, you do try to like not obliterate them. Like I try to make sure we both have five matching pairs at the end or somewhere close. But, uh, Mm. but yeah, it becomes a fun, you know, we, we, you know, we still read and stuff. It's super important, but there's other ways that you can kind of engage that time, which ends up being a lot of fun. So anyway, (sighs) I, I very much look forward to that. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Um, so recommendations. Let's hit it. Um, go ahead. I'm going to recommend something that came to us from, uh, Two-time guest of the pod, Ryan Varga. It's uh, the most recent Tim Ferriss episode, unless he's released another one in like the last day or two. But uh, Andrew Huberman is a doctor at Stanford, neurobiologist. Uh, I think that's right. Maybe they just call him neurologist. Yeah. Um, anyway, he he connects a lot of dots on things that I've kind of been learning somewhat anecdotally, somewhat piecemeal, Mm -hmm. but goes in depth around uh, how light and vision, just like, are you, are you focused on something that has a narrow field of vision or do you have a wide open field of vision, a wide open field of vision is less stressful. So like when we're like zoned in on a phone or a computer, it doesn't necessarily like, yeah, the, he gets into like the light and what that is, but why that is more stressful on the overall system. Whereas when you're like out at the beach and you got this vast expanse and you're not really looking at anything like that lack of focus de-stresses you. Interesting. Talks about rest. Yeah, it talks about respiration and the whole through line. And this is something we've talked around sometimes clumsily, sometimes like poets. Yeah, if I do say so. I would agree. But it's just that controlling the mind with the mind is not something you can do. Mm-hmm. Like if you feel anxious, you're not going to think yourself out of anxiety. You. You control the mind with the body. Yeah. And that is something anecdotally in my own personal life that I just know for a fact. Like once I started getting solid sleep, once I got my weight down, once I got my heart rate better, like uh, my diet more consistent, like I'm just a happier person. Yeah. And it has nothing to do, like, maybe the external stuff has gotten better too. But, like, I, I can tell when I've had bad sleep, then I have a bad day. Like, I, I now kind of understand the knobs in my physicality that result in bad moods. And there's a, this is for quick quick side trail something i'd like to start running by you in future episodes maybe as like an additional segment is like i've built out a lot of this hundred skills list Mm -hmm. for walter okay and winnie and i'd just like to start running by like here's five of the ideas you know we're still in brainstorming session yeah let you poke holes in some let you say like what you think about others 
and you know I'm trying to round it out. But one of the ideas on there that like is an acronym that I've found so helpful to my life is HALT. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Mm-hmm. And if you're ever feeling anxious, like troubleshoot those things. And hungry and tired so often fix it. Yeah, they do. And some of some of the issue with tired is like you have to be pretty proactive to like stay ahead of that. But like once you nail down how to not be tired, man, what a game changer. It is, yeah. Like your mind your mind gets supercharged if you can navigate that. Yep. So so yeah, that that podcast is awesome, I'm and uh, a lot of interesting stuff in there. Um, I I found the first hour to be particularly awesome. So if it starts to like run away from you, you get that in. I think you'll be happy. So that's cool. I, that's prob- it. probably explains a little bit why we have so much fatigue. All being on like WebEx meetings all day long. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, you're you're running it. There's so many things, right? You're sitting, narrow field of vision. Uh, you're usually taking an intense load of blue light, Mm -hmm. which, you know, messes with your circadian rhythms because blue light is supposed to be something you're, you're biologically programmed to only get during the day. Uh, and so, and I'm sure most people know about blue light. I see enough blue blockers like, but like there's, it's just a, a coalescence of things that are just like rotting you out. Yeah. So then even though you don't feel like you've done that much, you get done and your brain is just shot. Yeah. Uh, I'm in. So I'm yeah, anyways, yeah. it's, it's good stuff, man. Yeah. Give it a listen. Nice. Mine will, um, pretty easy. I think I even mentioned it on our, on our last pod, uh, insight timer. It's an app. It is a free app. Very important to the Cooksey household. Um, but it's a meditation app when you're trying to build wealth, you gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it has, it allows you to, so it's, it's got a bunch of different teachers, uh, meditation teachers. It's got a bunch of different lengths. It's got a ton of different types. Like, so there'll be some that are for morning gratitude. There's some that are for, you know, help you sleep. There's all kinds of different and, you know, the, the, the positives of it are obviously it's free and you have a lot of variety. Uh, so, you know, when it comes to meditating, I've, I've, I've been doing it for probably, I've done it definitely at least 25 out of 30 days. And nice. Yeah. It's been, you know, I just take five to 10 minutes in the morning before the boys wake up and I just go into a quiet place, dark place and just, you know, do it there. And, um, you kind of have to sort through a little bit, you know, there are some voices that, and the way they talk about like the universe and things like that, where it will do the opposite of trying to focus on your breathing. Cause you're like, that's a weird thing they just said, <laughs> but it allows you to like favorite certain people or certain sessions, ones that you can go back to and revisit. And so I've, I've really found that helpful because I can take five to 10 minutes before anybody's awake or after everyone's gone to bed, you're just literally just sitting there with your eyes closed or laying with your eyes closed breathing and it's all guided and, um, low investment of time, zero investment of money. And 
you know, I don't know what benefits I'm supposed to actually see from it, but I do feel like it, it really sets the tone for the day. It sort of like clears the whole palette, like the whole day. And then I'm ready to start mm-hmm. the day with a whole clear palette. So anyway, insight timer, it's free app. Man, even if it's just placebo, take the placebo. Yeah, exactly, man. It's it's a it's free good feeling. Exactly. The uh, that's interesting. Varga is talking to me about trying to do. You know, you mentioned do something hard for thirty days, doing twenty minutes of meditation for thirty days in a row. Oh yeah. And he's like, he's like, yeah, man, I do it. I'll do it with you. And I'm thinking about giving that a go in the very near future here. I would see it. Man, you can tell when we've skipped a week because we are just chatty. We are ready to talk. We are just two <laughs> chatty dudes. Yeah, when we're when we're pushing ten o'clock without a without a guest. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. All right, dude. A pleasure as always. The pleasure's all on this side. Well, mostly. Yeah, mostly it was on this side. Hey, man. Right, enjoyed it like always. Sleep tight, all right, homie. Talk to you tomorrow. All right, later, dude. Talk to you tomorrow. That is a weird thing to say. Yeah.